Summer camp is here just a couple days away. And what are some of the biggest positional battles you're going to want to watch for from Boston College? We'll get in all of that and more on today's show. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Thank you all for listening and making us, Locked On Boston College, your first listen every morning. So BC's summer camp opens up on Friday. We talked about this on yesterday's episode. And for a lot of different positions, BC is set. You know there's Phil Jakovic's going to be the quarterback. Pat Garwo's going to be the the running back. You're going to have Josh DeBerry at cornerback. Zay Flowers at wide receiver. But on today's show, we're going to look at what positional battles are going to be decided during summer camp because there are some questionable spots still available, and we're going to get into those during our first two segments of today's show. First off, one positional battle I think that's got everyone is talking about, we're going to get into the big one right away, is the offensive line, specifically the guard position. Now, as we've said on the show before, there is a lot of different ways Jeff Halfley could go with his offensive line, with his off- new offensive line coach, Dave DeGuglielmo. First of all, he could go with two guards. Now, he has Finn Durstein, who's projected to be a guard, and he could go in, in his depth chart and go look at someone like Jude Lowry, Rustem, uh, Blair and Rustemi, or um, Noah Clifford, or Otto Hess. They have guys that they could throw in there. Or... What I think is going to happen is they move Jack Conley to guard. Now, Conley was their their tackle earlier uh, last year. He struggled, and if you remember, he got um, got beat pretty bad. And Mitch Wolf has talked about his pro football fo- focus ranking being very low because of that game. So if Halfley and Googs think that Jack Conley fits better at guard, then this positional battle will be more for the tackle position, and that's actually where I think I'm going to lead this into, is because my prediction is that Conley moves to tack, uh, guard. I think the tackle is where you're going to want to watch to see where Boston College finds their next um, offensive lineman. Now, the names to watch for is Kevin Klein, who has been getting a lot of positive press, or Elijah Krasnovic, who I've heard is a physical animal out there. I'm not sure where he's at, though, in terms of technique. That's more of something a offensive lineman could tell you more about. But I've heard a lots of good things about his potential. So those are the two big ones, but they're all sorts of different iterations of where this guard position could go to. Because I just said that the, the tackles could go in there. Another possibility, you know, that's one, is what if Boston College moves over... Um, Drew Kendall from center to guard, maybe just out of a necessity, and then they put Dwayne Alec at center. There's a whole bunch of different things here that you could watch for. So it's not a traditional positional battle, but there's a whole bunch of names of guys that could get into this position and and fix this line in a certain sort of way. Because BC, one big concern with BC for me is that there's not a ton of established talent here. So you don't know what you're going to get when you throw certain guys in different spots. And obviously the staff has evaluated them and has done their job, hopefully, of figuring out who's the ones, who's the twos, who's still a little bit away. Um, I, I think that's kind of where they're at. But we'll have that. I think that really is, in essence, a positional battle because there could be different tackles uh, 
there's iterations of the tackle position. There's different iterations of the center position. Any of the five offensive line spots could be somebody. And it could be, you know, you could have Ozzie Trapillo up and down that line. You could do the same thing with Jack Conley. You could put him up and down the line. I mean, you could put you could put Drew Drew Kendall at three different positions, two different guards or the center. So that in itself, I think, is going to be the positional battle to watch this offseason during the summer to see how they kind of talk about it. And I'm telling you right now, the staff does a good job. The one thing that they will give you, you know, sometimes they're they're a little hesitant in terms of giving you certain information about what's going on. You may not hear about an injury. I think we never heard about Bumeri and uh, Unwuka being hurt until the kickoff to the to the Colgate game last year. They will tell you who's sliding up for the fir- ones for the offensive line. And you know, I think it. You know, a lot of the times Halfley holds back certain information because it's a it's a strategic thing that he wants to not give any little advantage to the opponents. But with offensive linemen, it doesn't really matter, does it? Really? Like, what are they going to tell you if, if you find out that Kevin Klein's your starting right tackle? It, 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 that doesn't matter. So, I think this is the key positional battle. But there's more out there. And one that's going to be fun and maybe a little bit under the radar, I think, is the punter position. Now, last year, we had, it seemed like, year seven of Grant Carlson as the punter, and he was fine. Uh, You know, I think it was a tale of two years for him because it seemed like at the beginning of the year, you know, he had some sensational punts that really helped bail out BC's offense that was just struggling all over the place. But as the year progressed, he kind of got a little bit... It felt like after that block punt against NC State, it kind of went backwards a little bit, and he became more of a, a, a little bit below average, I would say, punter in terms of his ACC comrades. So this year, the Eagles have a couple different options, and it'll be interesting to see who actually wins this positional battle coming out of the summer. Now, the first option is Danny Longman. The TikTok star, and speaking of which, you can follow Locked On BC on TikTok. We're on there now. Go look up Locked On BC and hit that subscribe button for me. But Longman, he's he's got like a million followers on there. He's crazy. But he's a punter and kicker, and we've seen him do both here at Boston College. Well, Longman is a grad student. He's been around for a long time. You've seen him play. You know what do you get from him. I, but in terms of like top-end punting, like he doesn't do anything like he's not he doesn't have a booming leg. He doesn't have like a sensational ability to do anything that you want at, at a punter position. He's not like the that kid from um say uh, Ariza, I think his name was from San Diego State last year that could just boom it. You you're not gonna get anything close to that with Danny Longman. But he knows the system, he's been around a while. There's something to be said about having a veteran there at a position where you can't have lots of screw ups because what was it, two thousand seventeen, eighteen we had a major punting issue where every time they line up to punt there was an issue with it can't do that right you need to be steady there and Longman could give that it could go against though the true freshman Sam Candotti from Australia now we've talked about Candotti on this podcast before he is from Buckley Park College in Australia and he is a rugby style kicker and I can't remember BC ever having a rugby style kicker I'm going all the way back to like Ryan Quigley and some of the punters they had way back then, um, Johnny Ayers. I don't remember a rugby-style kicker. Um, they, they do their own thing, and it's a little bit different. And, and I think there's something to be said with, with that kind of style that it sets up your, your blocking and your your you know, your send team that you're going after the kick you're after the punt returner because it's, it's a little bit less long. It's a little less booming. It's more of a line drive type kick. So would Halfley go that route, or will he go with the, with the 
with the veteran here. Now, I don't know. You know, we saw a little bit of both during the summer, uh, the spring game. And I, I think it's going to be a positional battle that's won during the summer. You know, you're going to have their special teams, according to Matt Thurman, kind of just sitting there and watching. How is how is Candotti handling this? Does he have more of an upside? Is he more explosive in terms of his kicks? Can our coverage team handle what he's doing? Uh, there's a lot of questions there, and I think that's all kind of be sorted out during scrimmages and some of those later practices. So that'll be an interesting to watch for as well. In our second segment, I'm going to get into two more positional battles that you're not going to want to miss this summer. Now, LinkedIn is got you geared up for fall. You need the right people for your job and your team to help your small businesses fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're back locked on Boston College. AJ Black here. We're looking at positional battles heading into the summer camp. And we, we already gave you two, and I have at least like three or four more to go with because I think it's going to be a really interesting camp. Now, the first one I kind of want to look at here is the wide receiver three position. Now, given what we have, Boston College has Zay Flowers. They have Jalen Gill. Those are going to probably be your one and two. Then after that, it's a bigger question mark. You're probably going to have either Jaden Williams, who really did put himself out there last year, or Taji Johnson. Now, I would say just based on starts from last season that Jaden Williams probably would have the advantage here. But there is an argument to be made here for Taji Johnson because Jaden Williams is a little bit redundant in terms of what you have already out there. Jalen Gill... And uh, he's a little bigger than Zay, but Zay's a small wide receiver. Jaden Williams is under six feet tall. You all, you a good offense, you know, has a a variety of different types of skill players out there, and that's what you could bring in with Taji Johnson. Taji Johnson's five inches taller than Zay Flowers, six inches taller than he's a big dude. And as we saw in 2020 with C.J. Lewis and Phil Dracovic. You got a big wide receiver out there. Jakovic can get it up to him and high point that ball and get them some big receptions, especially in the end zone. Remember, C.J. Lewis was 6'3 here a couple years ago. He transferred to uh, Bowling Green. He he was good at that kind of stuff. You need that kind of player out there. So I think Taji Johnson, there's an argument there for him to be the second wide, a third wide receiver on this roster. And as we've seen, and I'm sure we'll get it again this summer, he has been a warrior in terms of how he's played out there in the summer. He's shown in the last two years that he can be one of those elite uh, wide receivers. So I think there, there's that's one you're going to want to watch for. The next position to talk about is not running back one, but running back two. Because at the wide, at the running back position, right, you have Patrick Garwo. You, he's a 1,000-yard runner. He was the surprise of last year. He really turned himself out. And I think he's going to have a big year this year because if all the uh, – the emphasis is on Zay Flowers and Phil Jakovic. He's going to find himself some space out there. 
But behind him, you also need to have a running back that can do some things. And BC has put together quite the stable of running backs that are uh, talented and multidimensional, I think, is is what you're going to see here. Because the days of getting those pounders, you know, on every running back on the roster is gone. You need you need uh, some flexibility here. Guys that can go out and catch passes. Guys that can that can uh, do you know line up as a wide receiver. You can move them around, and that's been kind of where Frank Signetti and now Jack Minolti has been kind of going with these wide receivers. You could do that with Alex Singfield. But you have a gadget player right there that can do a whole lot of other things, too, in Xavier Coleman. And there's been a lot of talk about him. You know, he had that big touchdown catch in the spring game. He's a redshirt freshman. But what BC was able to do to get him that touchdown, I believe it was on off the off a pass from Dracovic, was they moved him out to the wide receiver slot. Again, you can, you can get different... Um, positional matchups out there that benefit you when you have a a running back that can do things like that. So I think he's a little better in terms of doing that kind of thing than Alex Singfield is. Now, no knock on Singfield, and that's why this is a battle here, because I thought Singfield did a a nice job last year. He wasn't super explosive, but he did what he needed to do. But with Travis Levy gone here, there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of touches go around for both of these guys. It's going to be who gets the most out of it. And you can make an argument for both of them here. So I think the second running back position, it will be fun because it's going to be a new brand of running back for the Eagles behind Pat Garwo, but will be something definitely to watch this summer. And then it's it's a personal joke behind some of you favorites that listen to the show. What's my favorite position? What do I always talk about here on Locked On Boston College? The tight end position. Everyone, all the dads out there, they get their laughs about it. Well, tight end one is not as solidified as you may think. Now, this offseason, Boston College landed Notre Dame transfer George Takis, a former four-star blue-chip recruit, 6'6". He fits that same mold that you had with Hunter Long two years ago, who is now with the Miami Dolphins, and last year with transfer Trey Barry. He's a big guy. He has not. He does not have the history of being a pass catcher. I think he has eight in his in his entire career, but he is projected to be that starter. You know, I talked, we've talked about it on this podcast, but Brian Driscoll of Irish Breakdown called him, he has a a ton of potential to be a pass-catching tight end. We just haven't seen it yet. And when you haven't seen it yet, you can't rely on it, is what I'm getting at. You could, you could hope that that's going to come down the path, but if you haven't seen it, you don't know what it's going to look like when, when, on those Saturday afternoons when you have someone not lined up against you. Now, you get an opportunity with someone on your your roster who has shown that they can do it at at a, at a consistent level, even though they may not be the most exciting wide, uh, wide receiver, and that's Joey Lucchetti. Joey Lucchetti is a senior from Lawrence Academy. He start he played in um, twelve games last year, had thirteen catches for one hundred and fifty seven yards. You know, he's not explosive. He's not the most exciting wide receiver. He's not going to make, like, huge catches like you saw Trey Barry do against Colgate. And he's not going to be a, the, the game-changer Hunter Long was in 2020. But he's solid. And when you have Phil Dracovic out there and you have all the defense going towards Zay Flowers, he's going to find spots to make catches. So what I'm saying is going into this summer, Joey Lucchetti could technically beat George Takis out on the practice field. He could do more out there and be more consistent than Takis, and that could earn him a spot. And again, 
it's not just as a pass catcher. I know I know a lot of folks really just focus on these new brands of like Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey and uh, George Kittle, these wide receiver slash tight ends that really do a lot of that. But ask any scout what a guy like Gronk did best. He was an excellent pass blocker. Same thing with Hunter Long. When you talked about Hunter Long with Jeff Halfley, yeah, he talked about the big catches he would make. But he was excellent when it came to to run blocking too, or that that that's what Halfley would tell you is that he was good at that. So there's another piece there, and from what I've heard, both guys are good at that. You know, Takis when he was with Notre Dame, he was behind Michael Meyer, guy you're going to hear a lot about when you're talking All Americans and first round draft picks next year. Dude is an athletic freak, and we'll get to see him in November, right? Takis was behind him and did that tight end two role where a lot of the times he was the guy, you know, either left back for pass blocking or run blocking. So that could be a, a, a pro for Halfley and John McNulty, the offensive coordinator. Can he do a better job than Lucetti blocking? All of this will play out during the summer. And finally, the last position, uh, the, the last positional battle I think you're going to want to watch for is defensive end two. Um, you know, as a daily podcast, some of these things we bring up quite a few times, and this this is one of the biggest ones. Next to the offensive line, of something I'm going to watch for this offseason. Now, I, I almost forgot about this because I, I got sucked in with what Jeff Halfley said about how great Sheeta Salah looked, but I think this is a positional battle worth watching because Salah, while he's had his moments, hasn't been able to do things consistently for the Eagles. And, as, and, and on top of what Halfley has said, the younger guys behind him, because you know Salah was out and they forced you know different things forced them into the lineup, they have experience now. So you now have a guy like Donovan Azaraku or Nito Akpala who have some experience biting at the heels of Salah, because if Salah for some reason isn't the best you know pass rusher out there, Halfley has said over and over and over again that they have to improve in pass rush. He said it during the ACC media kickoffs two weeks ago, right? they got to get better at that. So, will we see BC make a change there? If, say, Azaraku, who looked like he beefed up a little bit when I saw him at the summer game, I mean the spring game, will he get that defensive end two spot? You know, it's all based off of how they play. And and I'm, I, I really do believe that college coaches are not just going to put veterans in there just because they've been there. If there's a younger guy that's ready to play, I think Jeff Halfley will play him if he's going to give them a better chance to win. I think that's un- not unfair to either guy. If 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 the summer camp goes better for Azaraku, you're going to see him more out there than than Salah. Uh so I think the defensive end 2 position is definitely going to be a positional battle we're going to be talking about all summer. Now in a moment, we're going to have a special guest. I'm going to have Bennett Collin, co-founder and CEO of N-State, who's going to talk to us a little bit about his uh, company, which makes NFTs and uh, shoes. But you're going to want to hear, because there's a Boston College connection here, he's making shoes for the Red Bandana game. You're going to want to hear about his Boston College past and present. He actually works at BC and what he's doing to support the Wells Crowther Foundation. All that and more in just a moment. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious. Indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. Cookie dough chunk puff shape. 
Puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein, so you know you're getting everything you need to have energy to make it through your day. They are 100% covered in chocolate, and when you need a snack for your workout or a late-night treat, you need to reach for a Built Bar in the, in the new Cookie Dough Built Puff. You're going to love it. Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar, and grab yourself a Built Bar by going to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15. AJ Black here, Locked On Boston College. I am joined by Bennett Collin, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about a special project that he is doing for Boston College and the Red Bandana game this year. Bennett, how's it going? I'm good, AJ. How are you doing? Good. So tell me, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and, and what, you're, what you're working on with your uh, sneaker company. Sure. So I am a, a serial entrepreneur. I founded my first company in 2014. It was a business called Cognate. Uh, and we were using blockchain and NFTs to help businesses protect their trademark rights. This was long before NFTs sort of entered the mainstream with things like NBA Top Shot. Um, long story short, that company was acquired by GoDaddy. I was there for a couple of years. But as a lifelong sneakerhead, I always thought that that tech would work really well as applied to sneakers. So as someone who had never operated in the sneaker industry, I looked for a co-founder who would complement my skill set there. And I got connected with this woman named Stephanie Howard, who's an incredible sneaker designer, sort of a legend in the space. She had designed the New Balance 850. She had been design director at New Balance and Nike. She led Nike Hockey, um, their creative direction while she was there. So um, I was really lucky to get connected with her and eventually convinced her to sort of join me to start this company, Endstate, where we, we co-founded it in May of 2021. And the basic premise is to connect digital and physical sneakers so that they're wearable in digital environments, but also you get a physical item that you can wear on your feet like a regular sneaker and have them be collectible items mm -hmm. that you know we work through, through collaborators. And, and part of the idea is that because we're able to work through collaborators, because we're able to sell these digital versions of them, we can work with more broad base of collaborators than the traditional companies can that have to go through these 18 month design cycles and sell out these huge inventories. We're able to be much more targeted with who we're collaborating with. Okay, great. And so you're working on a uh, red bandana shoe, correct? Yeah, that's right. So I'm a BC alum. I'm actually yep. also an adjunct at BC. I teach a course on blockchain and cryptocurrency at the Carroll School. Mm -hmm. um, so I got BC in my blood. I'm actually mm -hmm. uh, a legacy too. Both my parents went to BC. Two of my sisters went to BC. So we're, we're a big BC family. Um, obviously, having gone to BC, I'm really familiar with the red bandana story and Wells' story always is so resonant. I watch the you know ESPN video every year on, on September 11th to commemorate it. Um, and you know, like so many other people, Wells' story really touched me. Mm -hmm. And so when we're thinking about, um, you know, what we can do in terms of collaborations and how we can work with, um, you know, different charitable organizations, because that's a big part of what we're, our mission is at, at end state. Um, 
Wells's story and the Wells Remy Crowther Charitable Trust were one of the first uh, ideas that came to mind. So we got in touch with Wells's mom, Allison, and sort of brought this idea to her. Um, and then over the course of a couple of months, we were able to tease out some of the ideas and um, you know turn them into into concrete action points where we're making a sneaker with a red bandana design where all of the proceeds are going to be donated to the Wells Crowther Trust. So we're selling an NFT, right? So the, the sort of first thing you buy is the NFT. And then each NFT comes with a physical pair of sneakers mm -hmm. that is going to be ready and wearable by the red bandana game on October 8th against Clemson, which we're super excited for. Wow. So when, when will the shoes be uh, starting? When are you going to start marketing the shoes and when can people start ordering them? Um, so in September, we'll start marketing the sneakers. We don't have an exact launch date yet, but, yep. um, we're gonna, we're gonna start marketing them in September and we're already in production with the factory to make sure that everything's going to be ready by the eighth. And how was it working with Allison? Was she collaborative and really working in, in depth with you guys on this stuff or? Yeah, she was great. I mean, she's, she's such a wonderful person yeah. and, you know, shared so many interesting insights into Wells's story. And, you know, she gave us feedback on the design, um, which was really great. And, you know, she said that, you know, that the NFT stuff was a little bit over her head, but <laughs> she, she, she relied on some of her advisors um, mm -hmm. to, you know, make sure we knew what we're doing, which, you know, we, we do. And, uh, and then, you know, the sneaker design stuff is a lot more visceral, right? Like anyone can mm -hmm. look at a sneaker and say like, Hey, I like that. Or I don't. So, um, yeah, we, we came up with a sneaker design. We think people are gonna be really excited about Wells, the Wells Crowther trust, um, logo, which is the red bandana with the 19 that's going to be on the tongue label. Um, and the, the sneaker is going to look really great. We got a little bit of surprise for the packaging too. It's, it's going to be oh, a nice. little bit different. And, uh, and I think people are gonna be excited about that. All right. So I have a couple BC questions for you. Now that, that you so what is your favorite Boston college sports memory that you've either experienced live or, you know, watched with friends or whatever? That's so hard. It's <laughs> all <laughs> so, cause I've been rooting for BC since I was a kid. Right? Cause okay. both my parents went there. Well, I was going to say your but class I, of 2011, you were kind of in the middle of like some really tough well, as a student, at least some tough, uh, tough years to, to root. Well, my freshman year was Matt Ryan when we were number oh, okay. two in the country. So yeah. I would say the highlight was, it was actually an away game, but the Virginia Tech game where he threw the last second touchdown, we, we upset Virginia Tech. And then I think that's either what catapulted us to number two yep. or it was, yep. it was like the week before. Yep. But I was a freshman in Keys. And like when that after that happened, everyone was out on Newton campus celebrating <laughs> after the win. So that was incredible. I'll remember that for the rest you, of my life. You stole my second question because I was going to ask you, were you <laughs> were you a uh, College Road or Newton guy resident? Oh, New Newton, Newton all day long. OK, do you still go to games? Yeah, I still got season tickets. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So uh, where can people follow you on uh, social media? Yeah, we are at end state. So E-N-D-S-T-A-T-E -E on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, good luck with your uh, rollout of your shoe. Thanks so much, AJ. Appreciate you having me.